spread the fire welcome back to smwx and today i have another of our conversations with ukoko Aubrey machiki ukoko is well known as one of south africa's premier political analysts and it gives me great pleasure as we've continued our series of conversations stretching now over a year and a half um, to bring you a new installment Gogo, thanks so much for joining us on SMWX. These, uh, these interviews are starting to become something of a national key point. Na, 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 na. Thanks very much for giving us this time. I think these have become important conversations and uh, it's, it's a great honor that this is the place where you share your views for for the next um for the next period um i know many people will be disappointed not to hear your voice because it's such an important voice in our discourse but um we respect we respect your guidance and we respect um your your insights and when you can give them and when you can't well one of the interesting things you bring up there is, is the different voices that are speaking for different elements of the party at a given time. And I'm, I'm fascinated and I don't know if we've given enough thought to the increasing role that former president Thabo Mbeki is playing in the NEC. Firstly, the fact that he's at the NEC regularly, I think marks uh, a departure from what we saw in previous eras of the ANC, but also that he seems to be making um, and it's difficult to know exactly what kind of intervention he was making, but he seems to be making quite significant interventions. So he's there regularly, we know that. We've actually heard him speak now. Um, what do you make, and, and lastly, I saw the, the Mbeki Foundation um, actually coming out quite strongly against President Ramaphosa's economic plan a few months ago saying, look, this is just a piece of paper, you know, what's going on with this government? They don't have a, a real plan. And I'm just, I'm just fascinated uh, in, in former President Mbeki's what seems to be sudden re-emergence at the center of ANC politics at the NEC. What is interesting to me is another thing. According to my own information, the former president, Jacob Zuma, did attend the NEC meeting, but did not say anything. I suppose that's the reason why there are no headlines about him. But interestingly, you have this former president of the ANC, Tabombek, reiterating a question that was posed by others. The question being, is there still an organization called the ANC? And to me, this is not a question. It's a rhetorical question. It's a statement that is meant to convey the message that the ANC is no more, or at least the ANC as known to different parts of the ANC, is no more. But there's something else happening here with this question. If I'm correct in saying this is a rhetorical question, the former president, Tabumbeki, consciously or otherwise, 
is declaring his lack of confidence in the leadership of the ruling party in its entirety and the leadership of Cyril Ramaphosa in particular. But there's another thing happening here. When you see the emergence of voices such as that of Tamombeki or Joel Nechidenzi, as I said, in part, you are dealing with the unfinished business of Pulukwane, mm -hmm. an attempt to reverse the outcome of Pulukwane or an attempt to reverse the impact of that outcome. So you are dealing with nostalgia. You, you, you have others who are not Joel Nechidenzi, who are not Tamombe, who go far back to, to invoke a much older ANC, an ANC during the liberation struggle that was going through a golden period. Whether objectively that is true or not is another question altogether. But nostalgia has crept into debates about what is happening in the ANC, what is wrong, and what should happen. And so you do have a clash between different ANCs to the extent that those different ANCs represent different epochs in the historical evolution of this organization, the ANC. So what we see here is an inability on the part of some ANC leaders to free themselves and therefore the ANC from the past, from its past, and from a past when they led it, a period during which they believe the ANC went through a golden period and therefore the ANC of Jacob Zuma, the ANC of Cyril Ramaphosa is a deviation from that ANC which went through a golden period. It's, um... It's an interesting moment, and of course, all of this comes against the backdrop of uh, Ace Mahashule's suspension, his uh, attempt to dismiss that suspension, and the NEC's attempt to grapple with that suspension. And some have said, I must say, I read some, some articles over the weekend which reminded me of the 2018 New Dawn uh, Euphoria, which said, President Ramaphosa has masterfully uh, extricated himself from the problems of, of party gridlock and we will now see the real President Ramaphosa. Um, Adrian Basson of News24, Carol Payton, Business Day saying Ramaphosa's moment has arrived. Um, do you agree with that or, or do you disagree with that? Well, I, I spoke about the rise at a particular moment in the ANC of the cult of personality. Mm. And, and, and what we call factions in the ANC are actually cults, which exist to propitiate as demigods certain leaders of the ANC. So at one point you have Mbeki the demigod, you have, this, you have Zuma the demigod, mm. now you have Cyril Ramaphosa the demigod, 
who is propitiated by these cults known to us as factions. But membership of these cults is not always direct membership of a faction. There is indirect membership in the sense that outside the party, there are those whose own political identity, whose own desires, and whose own desired outcomes is attached to one or more of these cults known to us as factions in the ANC. And therefore, it is not surprising that even in the media, you have those who, to me, seem to have attached themselves to particular desired outcomes. And sometimes they imagine those outcomes as something that is already happening. Mm. And therefore, I'm not surprised by the articles you, you, you have quoted and what they are saying. Another thing is that we must remember that we're talking about a party that is in a state of decline. And therefore, as we've seen in history, organizations and societies, institutions and so on, tend to adjust themselves to the quality of leadership that is available to them. Our society, including some in the media, have adjusted themselves to the quality of leadership the ANC makes available to us. And this is a quality of leadership that is made available to us as a society by an ANC that is in a state of decline. And the quality of our discourse, to some extent, reflects that crisis. And therefore, I'm not uh, surprised by readings which suggest that the failed dawn has mutated into another new dawn. <laughs> that notwithstanding, Cyril Ramaphosa is in control of the NEC. The balance of support and the balance of forces favor Cyril Ramaphosa and the so-called Tumamina faction, which exists to support him and his presidential ambitions for 2022. But this is the capture of a sinking ship. In addition to that, mm. some are arguing that he is stamping his authority on the ANC. Again, I will say that if the ANC stays on the current trajectory in terms of the internal balance of forces and support, Cyril Ramaphosa will be re-elected ANC president in 2022 but will be re-elected president of an ANC that will still be in a state of decline. A very important mm -hmm. element of the decline is the fact that while in the past I have argued that the ANC may be in government but is not in power, 
I am no longer certain that I can argue persuasively that the ANC is in government. If you look at the amount of resources that are being invested, the amount of time and energy being invested on this step aside um, battle, yeah. at the expense of the strategic conversations the ANC should be having and the country should be having about how we ameliorate the social and economic conditions of our people. It seems the ANC has abdicated its, its duty as a government. And therefore, South Africa in 2021, in the middle of these battles in the ANC, is a South Africa that does not have a party that governs it. Well, it's um, when you say that, it also makes me think of the way that governance within the party is linked to governance within the state around this step aside question, because although the ANC has now, it seems that the NEC, let me say, the NEC has agreed, it seems, um, on what step aside means and who it applies to, what this new uh, interpretation means is that the NPA now takes a massive role in party politics. And we have seen, not just in the Zuma era, but much further back than that. I was reading Temba Maseko's book, and, and I've just interviewed him on this channel, where he speaks about his time in the Mbeki administration with Pikoli, the NPA, Silebi, and the Zuma case. The NPA is now, whether it likes it or not, a key piece in the party's battles and its actions will have consequences for the party. So, that, so that's one thing I want to put to you. The other thing I want to put to you is that the NPA itself, as you say, isn't the healthiest institution. And so what happens when the NPA, like it has done many times before, either bungles one of these cases or just simply loses the case because it can't prove it uh, beyond a reasonable doubt. Um, I don't think we've also considered that eventuality with the Mahashule question. Um, that A, he turns this into a battle about the state, but B, that he might actually be acquitted. Um, sorry, I love Caesar when you say he might be acquitted. And the reason I'm laughing mm. is that he might be acquitted after the 2022 December National Conference. Can you imagine that, that scenario? I mean, he would have a legitimate case to I'm say... Making, mm. The point I'm making, therefore, mm. is that let's not rule out the possibility that uh, Isma Hashule will never be Secretary General of the ANC again. With this suspension, mm. his role mm. as Secretary General of the ANC has ended. There is that possibility if uh, the conviction or the acquittal happens um, after mm. the 2020 National Conference of the ANC. And the point you raise about the NPA is critical in another way. A leopard does not change its spot. 
the same applies to the NPA in my view. In my view, this is an NPA that has always anticipated the wishes of those in power. When we condemn it, we condemn it because we do not like those who are not in power. When we praise it as we are currently doing, it is because we like those who are in power. But you're right. The NPA is going to become a critical factor in the evolution of uh, this factional battle in the ANC. And if you look at it from the point of view of the president's ambition to be re-elected in 2022, then what we have is an Ace through his uh, kamikaze action, uh, who has been neutralized. Because remember, there is a scenario in which Esma Khashule is a challenger to the throne in 2022. Because remember, Esma Khashule has two challenges. Firstly, he must stay out of jail. And secondly, he must survive politically inside the ANC. And he must survive politically because he, he faces the real prospect of being expelled from the ruling party. Those who support Cyril Ramaphosa are not going to give up until Ace Mahashule has been expelled from the ANC. And this is the challenge that Mahashule faces. Then you have Didi Mabuza mm. and Paul Mashatine, mm. who I see as challengers to the throne too in 2022. Now you have this allegation that on behalf of the ANC, they received a donation of uh, $2 million, which donation they did not forward to the ANC. Now, the veracity of this allegation may not matter. What may matter more are the political ends to which the claim is weaponized. And if it is weaponized effectively against Mashatile, and D.D. Mabuza, two more challengers will be neutralized and Cyril Ramaphosa will waltz his way to the presidency of the ANC in 2022. But mm. an hour is a long time in South African politics. Uh, Gogo, I wanted to ask you two final questions. Um, the one is, is, what would you counsel um, opposition, how would you counsel opposition parties um, in this moment? And the reason I ask that is because many people think the opposition is in crisis. I think that can be contested, but in general, the opposition has not risen um, to the point where it's obvious for many South Africans that they could be a, a legitimate counterweight to South Africa. Maybe, maybe let me not say how would you counsel opposition parties, but how would you counsel a potential opposition political force to the ANC um, at this moment? And the reason I ask that is because on this, on this channel, I've been speaking to a lot of young South Africans who are frustrated, who are talking about the need to think towards and imagine alternatives to the status quo. And in order to do that, one needs to, I think, create a vision which excites people, but also um, 
deals with the crisis in the ANC at the same time. Um, so could I put that to you? Well, in a, in a way, Ketra, I'm not the right person to ask that question because I do not believe in our political system. I do not believe in the liberal democratic project and the liberal democratic aesthetic. I do not believe that elections will produce fundamental change. It doesn't matter how many of our people vote and how many times they vote. Fundamental change is not going to occur as a result of an election in this country. I therefore believe that ultimately the solution is to uproot the entire system, to uproot the liberal democratic model. That, that is what I believe is the answer. But you are asking me a question about the world as it is, and maybe I will confine myself to that, the world as it is. In the world as it is, 18 million South Africans in the 2019 general election did not vote. They did not vote for the ANC. They could not see themselves voting for an alternative to the ANC, that is the opposition parties we are talking about. We accuse them erroneously of apathy. In fact, there's nothing apathetic about the decision of 18 million South Africans not to vote in 2019. What they are expressing is a lack of confidence, firstly, in the ruling party, the ANC. Secondly, in opposition parties. Thirdly, in electoral politics and therefore elections themselves. But lastly, in our political system. I do not think, however, that as citizens, we should cede the democratic space either to the ANC or to opposition parties or both. Because if we do that, we are pretending that political parties occupy the entirety of our democratic space, and they don't. The rest of the democratic space is available to us as citizens and to civil society to engage mm -hmm. and mobilize for change. Sometimes that mobilization will happen in conjunction with political parties we share our vision as citizens and civil society for a, few, a future that will deliver on the promise of a better life for all. Sometimes in that space, we as citizens and civil society will we'll mobilize in opposition to both the ruling party and opposition parties to the extent that they represent a political class that in its entirety, we can no longer trust to deliver on the promise of a better life for all. Staying in the world as it is, 
if I were to cancel the ruling party itself, mm. I would say that the idea of going into a three or four day retreat is not a solution. I mean, really now. The NEC of the ANC, the leaders of this party, should seek the counsel and guidance of its members, of its branches. So therefore what you need is a forum that is Morogoro-like, because I am not sure that re-enacting Morogoro itself is a solution. But you need a forum that will be attended by leaders of the ANC and members of the ANC. And, and leaders of the ANC subject themselves to the guidance of members of the ANC, branches of the ANC, precisely because they have failed to lead both the party and the country. But I would add and say that current and former members of the ANC who are not in the leadership of the party should be invited to. The problem with my suggestion is that it is a suggestion like many others, which is based on the assumption that there can be no solution without the ANC. In other ways, we are obsessed with finding solutions within the ANC because there is no solution without the ANC. And that suggestion is patently false, false I mean. We therefore need to think beyond the ANC. And at this point, I must reiterate something I think I did say to you before, that we have the revolution, which in terms of its historical mission is incomplete, remains incomplete remains incomplete in part because of the weaknesses and failures and the state of decline of the ANC. But what we have tended to do is to confuse the ANC to be the revolution, that the ANC and the revolution are synonymous. Mm. And what I am calling for is for society to ask itself, and for ANC members to be honest about whether the ANC remains an instrument of revolution. And if it isn't an instrument of revolution, there must be a decoupling. In other words, a separation of the revolution from the ANC and the revolution might, must continue by means other than the ANC. And, and to close off on this point, one would have hoped that the values that drove the liberation struggle, which found the mani organizational manifestation in the ANC, would become so hegemonic in South African society that those values would not for their existence depend on whether the ANC exists or not, and if it exists on whether the ANC exists as a ruling party or not. In other words, the values are so strong that even when the ANC is either no more or is no more as a ruling party, the power of those values that has 
spread so widely in South African society is such that the kind of society we have dreamed of can be created with or without the ANC. But to answer your question more pointedly, in the world as it is, in our electoral politics, there is a hunger for an alternative. But there are times in history that the alternative must be represented by an order that is less ideal than what we wish for. In other words, as South African voters, if they are convinced that the ANC is no longer the solution, they must vote for another party or other parties while accepting that they, don't, they do not represent the ideal, which means that the replacement of the ANC as a ruling party by another party or other parties would simply be the beginning of another phase in our revolution to create a society that is the antithesis of apartheid society. Well, well, Coco, on that note, um, we'll leave it there for, for today. And um, thank you for, for your insights. When we do next speak, we'll pick this up again, whenever that might be. Um, I've been doing a lot of writing on whether the constitution itself is fit for purpose for the revolution. Um, and I think we do need to question not just our parties, but our order. As, as it were. So it would be great to speak about that next time. But thank you for sharing your perspectives. Thank you for sharing your time. And we wish you well as you go into uh, a period of contemplation. What I will say is that the Constitution, both because of its content and the worldview it represents, on the one hand, and because of our political system, as I have characterized it, is not a complete answer and is therefore not the instrument that will complete our historical nation. Togazakef. Togazakef.